welcome to the next episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I am your host, Tammy Riley, and I'm really looking forward to sharing my dear friend, Sarah McDonough-Civitello, with you. She is definitely one of the most incredible humans I have ever been in contact with, such a warm and caring person. She's an athletic trainer at Quinnipiac University. I'm so lucky to have crossed paths with her and to be in her circle, and you will see she is really just the ultimate caring human, which does come at a cost. So stick around to hear our conversation that involves a good cry, emergency athletic training, and I don't mean because it's a it's a severe emergency, and the idea of positive self-talk. So thank you for tuning in and stick around for this episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm your host, Tammy Riley, and I'm really excited to have one of my favorite humans on the planet, Sarah McDonough Civitello. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. The feeling is mutual. And Sarah and I do work together at Quinnipiac, and she is an athletic trainer, um, but we share many common interests. And so every time we're together, um, it, it's that thing we can't, we can't, almost can't separate, right? We see each other and then we're like, why have we not hung out in a, in a, in a really long time because of all the things we have to talk about? And we never finish a conversation. <laughs> we just always get like toward apart, like to buy the schedule. <laughs> Yeah. So Sarah does many, many things. She has her hands in in a lot of areas, but really a talented athletic trainer, I can say firsthand from watching her care. But um, but yeah, just how you care for humans in general is really special. And I really admire that. So I would love for you to just share a little, you know, maybe a bio of yourself, whatever you want to share with with the listeners. So as you said, I'm an athletic trainer at Quinnipiac University. I've been an athletic trainer for 21 years. Wow. And I got my start. I went to a D3 college up in Vermont um, and went to an unaccredited program. So it was like, I guess, the perfect avenue for me to learn so I could still be an athlete. Mm-hmm. So I could do a few different things and kind of figure out who I was. And so I was, I did too much in school, right? You know what I mean? I was that kid who was like, I want to be an RA and <laughs> I want to also work here and I want to be part of admissions because I love this school. I'm going to play two sports and be an athletic training student. So, so just listeners, this is her life and she has not <laughs> changed one bit. So I'm just going to give you that little snippet. Go ahead. <laughs> and athletic training for me is that in a nutshell, it's not the same thing every day. I knew I couldn't be the kid who, or the person who would sit at a desk and punch a clock. I needed one to be, to have like events like athletics. I needed to be part of a team. I love a a sense of having a sense of community um, and being a caregiver and being of service, being an advocate. And so athletic training has been that perfect passion for me. I love the medical side of things. And then having like learning from other people being in a college setting, you know, you're surrounded by coworkers that are next level intelligence. And especially at Quinnipiac with the program, being able to teach, it was, it just has been such a good place for me to land in my, Mm. I think the second half of my career, I at least hope it's the second half of my career. (laughs) We'll see what happens. I know, right? (laughs) It might be the next next? third. Who knows? Yeah, right? Um, Yeah. So I think that is one of the unique things about Quinnipiac, right? That you're not just, and I think, no, I don't know that, you know, if people know what athletic trainers do, right? You hear the term, but at Quinnipiac, it is so much more because we do have the academic piece. And so you're not only working with your, your team, your student athletes, but you're guiding the next generation of trainers. And, um, and that's really, I think, special too. 
It's so cool. One, like as an athletic trainer, we're doing everything from, you know, emergency medicine to the day-to-day referrals to maybe some rehab, post-op care, um, preventative care, general medicine referrals. Um, and just really like if you have a mental health, a um, general health and sports medicine need, we are able to facilitate some form of care for you. And so having the athletic training program and, and even some dual programs, whether it's the ATPT and we get to interface with all of those students or health science um, majors, bio majors, it's enriched how I do my job. And it also has helped me stay a little sharp, right? Like I, there are times where I'm like, that's a great question. I haven't dealt with that in a decade. So let's look that up. Let's go back. Or how, how is medicine evolving and how is care evolving? Um, and then walking athletic departments through changes. I worked for the military for a period of time. Um, and that was a really interesting time because the military setting doesn't evolve a ton. Like they have this recipe and it works. And we are building the, the, the leaders of, you know, tomorrow. And this is what has always worked. So we'll do this. And then in that time, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. And I was like, they're like, what are we going to do? Because we need to make sure we're sensitive, but we can't change who we are. And so I love those moments of growth and the discomfort with growth um, and the opportunity for change and evolution to be able to be like, we're going to do what every other college in America has done. And we're going to support in, in ways that are just so simple and easy. And you're going to get such a much better leader out of that. You're going to get so many more rewards out of that. So this career and this opportunity being at Quimbic has been so um, amazing being able to teach that and, and share those experiences with students that are going to be better prepared, you know, in, in their career. Yeah. I love that thought though. You take a step back and let's keep it simple. You know, let's just keep it simple. We're here for the students, period, yeah. whatever, student athlete, student, whatever, wherever they are. And I sometimes say, we, if I work for anyone, I work for my athletes. Yeah. I work for the students that I'm teaching. I work for the students that are coming to this school. So if someone needs something, like that's my first priority. And that has guided me and been kind of my moral compass all along. And there's no coach that can argue with that. There's no administrator that can argue with that. So that always kind of de-escalates anytime there's somebody's like, well, should we done this? I'm like, no, no, no. So it's, it's, it's been, yeah, it, it, I think you and I have that same sense of yes, <laughs> we're here, we're here for, for the, the future, right? Like we're here for the students. We're, we're trying to model that. Yeah. And we're so inspired by them, right? You see oh. the next generation. And as you said, I love that you said that they force you to grow. Same for me and my students. And I think that our fields, right, that we work in in with the body and health science, it's changing every day. So that's the other piece, right? Yeah. There is so much that we have to keep up with and you can't go with what happened 10 years ago. You really have to say, how are we viewing that now? And what do we know and what have we learned? So um, yeah, to have that environment is, is really good for us. <laughs> also for me, it's a practice, right? Like, and I know for you, like whether it's, it's a practice of sports medicine or a practice of medicine. And I think that allows me and holds me accountable to like walk that walk, right? Because we want our athletes and we want our students to, as they're trying to discover who they are, to, to stretch in those areas and practice that a little bit, try mm. on a different hat or try on, you know, a leadership role. And, and it's not going to be perfect every time. And, and so we have to adapt and change in everything we do, right? So whether you're guiding someone through a program 
that they just, it, it's not available to them that day or me. I'm, I'm okay. I have a plan for the day. This is who's going to be injured and who's going to be treated. And then right. somebody else gets injured and you're like, okay, pivot, let's go. <laughs> we always have been doing that. And now in the, in the recent past, like this is your perfect pivot is like this podcast and how it's reaching everybody. Like when you are living life online and I think it's been, it's been a cool opportunity for all of us to like stretch and grow and model and practice and sometimes I, I, I don't want to practice as much as others but it's fine. I love that you said it's a practice. So you know, in my line of work, if I'm teaching yoga, we always say yoga is a practice, right? I think that's a very common way and then working with athletes we know they go to practice. So I think in in the world in general, those are two scenarios where we use the word practice. But I think as professionals to say in your job like I'm it's a practice every day. I don't know that we say that and I love that that's how you referred it to because I think practice has a different a different um I guess Bye. meaning. I'm going to say meaning. Yeah, like when you hear it, it's not like, "Oh, I'm a I'm an athletic trainer. That's I'm going to work." You're you almost said it like, "I'm going to my practice," which means that you're still striving to to do better and there's still yeah. more to learn. Where I think we think going to our job means that's it. I don't know if I'm explaining no, that correctly, but I love we're there. Yeah. Right? We're like in our life, we're like, "Okay, I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get this job, and then I'll be there." And we're fully formed and we're never fully formed. Right. If we are, we're missing something completely. Absolutely. Right. So I think that's the other part is like you have, we have to stay open to learn from other people and their experience. We also have to stay open that we don't know everything. We don't know enough. We know enough, but we might not in some instances. Yeah. And we have to continue to keep looking for that. I think that's also there. We can get competitive in those ways. And so we have to also check and balance that too. But yeah, I think it, when we look at it as a practice, when we look at it as, you know, I'm still trying to get better and we have to do continuing ed and we have to do something because that's what medicine requires. That's what life requires. Right. So I think when some of my athletes are like, wait, why are you, you're, wait, you still are doing a class? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing yeah. it for you, right? I'm as much for me as, as, so my care for you is better. I, I really, that's just... That's been such a great thing that you just said that to me because it, it, I mean, I, I like to talk about that and I tell, you know, the people that I'm working with, you know, every day is a practice. I think we forget. I think when it comes to our regular job, just like you said, you get the degree, you get the job and you're like, I'm doing my job. But we're st in that mindset. We're not saying, oh, I'm still practicing. I'm still growing. And, right. you know, ev we're, we should evolve, right? We should right. not do – you as an athletic trainer should not be giving the same care you did 21 years ago. Right. I mean, it just shouldn't happen that way by nature of your growth, your experience, what you've learned, how things have changed. And if you are, there could be a problem, right? Hard enough, right. And I think like what works for one person, it, like one patient doesn't, how to rehab a hamstring for one person doesn't work for the next. Mm. So we think we've got it. And, and there are times like I, we always do analogies, as you know, in athletics. <laughs> and so it's like, you will have the worst day golfing ever. And you'll, that last shot you hit is like awesome. And it keeps you coming back for more. And then, or then you think like, you've got it. Like I'm such a good golfer. <laughs> and then you'll be like, wait, why is that not working? Like same thing with rehab, same thing with our interactions mm. with people, just depending what's available to them that day, or, you know, there, there's something that led them there to that injury. And we have to kind of peel back the layer of the onions. And I am fascinated by what makes people tick. I am fascinated 
um, by how things happen and mechanics in all aspects, literally and figuratively. And I think that's the other part of me, as you know, is the organizational leadership side of me. I recently, in the last few years, got a degree at Quinnipiac and I got another master's in their organizational leadership department. And I am all about what drives people to do better, to be better, to be happier. And that's culture. Yeah. And so that's like a huge part of my life. Yeah. You're a, um, you're an explorer of all things for Mm -hmm. sure. You Mm -hmm. know, digging underneath you. And that's one of the things that I love every time we're together, like our conversation is so intense in a great way, not, you know, oh, what about this? And how about this? And and I love that exploration, which is- Sometimes it's just an apple. Where was the apple planted? Like just stop, an apple, enjoy it. Yeah. No, it's curiosity and a curiosity from a, a place of like wanting to understand things better and- you know, get it's really getting to know someone. You you have that ability. That's who you are. I feel like that's part of my being. We want to know someone, not just the outside, but the deep layers. And so these questions and this digging is is helping to uncover. And I think that's what's so special, you know, for you working with your team is that's how you approach everything. You could just go and do your job, but you you dig in, yeah. in a good way, right? You well, want to know. Right. Like you're yeah. like you we want to get to know people. I want connection. I don't want to come in. And I think that that's a really um, big thing that people are missing today and don't know they're missing is connection and real sense of community. Again, it always comes back to like tribe and community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's so interesting. There's this book, it's called tribe of homecoming and it's about servicemen and women coming, you know, back from war, war zones or battle, or even just coming out of the military where they had this, this group and this community. Um, and it, one part of the book that's super important to me was that way back when Native Americans, you know, as, as we are trying to take land, we can decide whether this is controversial or not. But um, <laughs> I should say like Revolutionary War era, right? Like prisoners of war were taken maybe to a tribe, to a Native American tribe and correct me if I'm factually incorrect at any point of this. So the prisoners of war saw this sense of community and how everybody had a purpose and how there was, they were contributing and how people were caring for them and they felt safe when they were able to go back home. They were, they, they found like so many people went back to the native American tribe that they had been living in, that they were captured by in part because there was that sense of community. And and that was this like parable within the book that I think we are missing connection. Mm. We want that. I think your parents' generation, my parents' generation, like my dad was a volunteer fireman. Like your parents were always giving and doing things in the community and they had that opportunity. Like my father ran a general store. So everybody that needed something, hey, if they ran out of butter on Christmas Eve, they'd call the house. We'd walk down across the lawn. We'd open up the store. We'd make sure they had their butter. And there's not as many opportunities for that in part because we're busy or because we're specializing. Yeah. And I think I miss that. So like you say, we want to get to know the people we're working with. It can't just be the technical side of what we do. We also need that adaptive side of life where we know people's why and their motivation so we can reach them and help them be successful. Mm. And I think so often like validation just by knowing that and being like, that was a rough practice, huh? (laughs) But you stayed in there 
and a year ago, you would have walked away out. And so I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Keep coming back. You know, like little moments like that, I think matter um, and make people feel safer and make them feel connected and make them feel seen. And mm -hmm. I think that's what everybody wants. I agree. Right. They just, everyone wants to be a part of something, but being seen and being heard. Right. I think that's a lot of what we're missing right now. People don't feel like they're being heard. And this is such a great segue. So I need you, as we talk about people lacking communication, I think we're talking in general in the world, but now with pandemic life that we've been living in for over a year now that we've adapted to, and it's mm -hmm. become part of our practice, just like everything else. Your life changed a year ago from mid-March when you were, you know, finishing up a season and now everyone is at home and no one is connected. So right. can you describe a little bit about what was happening for you? Like how, how were you still an athletic trainer? And I'm saying that in quotes, right. how were you still a trainer if you weren't physically with your team and what, what were you doing and how did you, I hate to use the word pivot cause it's so overused. So <laughs> how did you redefine, yeah. um, you know, what you were doing and your craft, right? How are you still connecting with that? So initially we were in Atlantic City for the MAC championship, for the basketball championship. We were getting ready to play. And it was like, that was when kind of the NBA shut down and everybody else started to, like every conference started shutting down. And we were the, one of the last two standing. And at one point the coaches and I, and and we were like, what's the what's the play here? And I'm like, I'm kind of with you either way. Like I don't, I'm not feeling strongly that we don't play this, but what I'm saying is there's gotta be a way in which we do it. I'm feeling an inkling towards the not play because we, I don't know enough mm. to say it's safe. It's safe. It's safe. And they were in the same place too. And right. so we packed up our bags and we went home and we, they didn't even announce that we weren't playing until after we had already been on the bus for a little bit. Because I said, my only thing was, I don't want to surprise anybody and just not show up. I want to make sure. And of course, that's how they were going to handle it. But it was like, we almost had to say everything. Like that was the, that was the first time I remember having to speak to every single detail. And you know, like right now we're having to say so much more because we can't just, we can't just say, we know this, we've been here before. We know what to anticipate. You know what I would want to do in that moment. So there's a lot more discussion about everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so my first little, we came back and we were still teaching and, and athletic training. So I think what changed was it became emergency teaching as I like to call it and, and emergency athletic training. But, and by that, I mean like, okay, something has happened. We need to make an adjustment. We have never been here before. I'm not sure what to do, but I'm going to do my best to stay calm, to, give you an experience, whether as a teacher or as a student or as a, as a athlete. And I'm just going to make sure that you're okay. And so that became our, everyone's priority. I would say our, our coaching staff did a great job with that. Um, our athletic training staff, we, we got to a place where we knew we were going to have to meet individually. So that was going to take so much longer, but we mm -hmm. dug in and we like, some of us took more classes on, um, we had to pivot how we were, and I know that, that word, we had to pivot <laughs> how we were going to do case studies and, and, and students were going to present <sighs> and we needed to consolidate that. We, so it was such an interesting time. And I was like, up for the challenge. Let's go. We can do it. You know, cheerleading. Let's, we got it. 
And then it was also for the student athlete body, because within athletics at that time, we needed to make sure that like they had just had this major loss of the the one outlet that they've had, their community, they were no longer able to be around their tribe and they were all at a distance. So the coaches were all trying things to keep them connected. And we did anything that we could, you know, newsletters, Zoom meetings, like you name it, we tried it. We would be like, Tammy's having yoga today. We think it's a great idea. Why don't we do some yoga? Then there was also the part of like, we can't prescribe exercise across state lines. So there was like, Uh, there were times where I think the students probably felt like we should have been doing more or they wanted workouts from our strength coaches. And they were like, our poor strength coaches were like, legally, we can't do it without a medical professional present. And so we were all kind of like, we're up for it. And then we were like, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we can't do that. We can't. And then we were like, okay, we're up for it. We got it. We'll figure it out. And we'll just keep, keep talking. So I did some zoom rehab with, with students, or I'd say, send me a video. Flipgrid became a thing. Um, any video they could send me on their phone. And I think it was more just about check-ins mm. and making sure, um, that there was an opportunity to say, how are you doing? <laughs> are you sleeping? <laughs> um, are you being smart? Like these are, these are COVID protocols that I think you should know about and having that same conversation for me, 14 different times. And then for other teams up to 60 different times. Right. Isn't that insane? Some teams are big. I, I think it's, um, so incredibly hard as a student athlete because that's their, for so many of them, that's their identity, right? Yeah. They, they're they a student, but they identify as the player in the team. And, and essentially they would say that's their, their job. And, and I say it in a sense of it's their passion, it's their drive, it's right. where they are in that moment. And that's where most of them are when they come. So as you're saying, when that gets shut down and it's your community, it's your caregivers, but it's your identity. And so yeah. I think it's so difficult for, for them, for many athletes, like not just ours, obviously sure. any, any athlete around the globe. Um, well, we notice that once your college career is over, right? Yeah. Like we'll say like once you're college, you're now, it's like, there is a conversation that a lot of times our athletic trainers will have or coaches will have where it's like, okay, your neck, it's, it might not hit you till next season is about to start, but you're going to feel this pain or you're going to yeah. feel this loss at some point. And so you know, you might want to kind of put some strategies in place. So you do have another community that you can go to or so you get it. And I think, I think sometimes the misconception at times on campuses or um, where it's like, oh, the athletes have special um, privileges. They do and they don't, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've asked them to give their talents in exchange for a degree. And sometimes like that's opportunity, life-changing opportunities for families. And, And so we are also asking them to give of their vacation time or give of their family time mm-hmm. give of like their summers. Some of them, you know what I mean? So I think they do all of this in return for the relationships. And then all of a sudden with, with the onset of COVID though, that support system wasn't there. Their, their family wasn't there like where you could physically see them each day and, and, and be around each other. And mm-hmm. that, you know, hit people differently. Yeah. Or they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I think that's so interesting as you say that, right? It is something that maybe a senior starts to feel at the end of their season and that reality is hitting. But this was like 
across the board. So you were dealing with an entire team of trying to figure out. And I remember the term from when Savannah, she's been on here before, when Savannah was an athlete and they they call him a NARP, a non-athletic regular person. And she goes, oh my God, I'm a NARP now. I'm a NARP. You know, and it is such a distinction of when that's not your identity. And so anyway, you had a whole team oh, yeah. hitting that that place at the same time. Yeah, and which my is coach, hard. when I stopped playing, literally, we're on a van coming back from our championship game. My senior year, we had just lost. I'm devastated, and my coach, who I adore, said, "Well, Mac, it's all maintenance from here on out. You're gonna have to find something to keep you going." And I'm like, <laughs> oh, like dying. I'm like, no. And so, like, all these kiddos are like, "How do I stay ready?" Yeah. When do, when will the next season even be? And we thought it was like two weeks at the beginning, right? And then we were like, mm-hmm. oh, we can do this for a month. Any, we can do anything for a month. Let's get to Easter. And then, so we kept just kind of having to push that deadline back. And then it was like, no one's coming back for summer one. No one's coming back for summer two. And so I think everybody was like, and rightfully so, in this place of how the heck are you going to expect me to share my talent with you and perform when I haven't been trained? I'm worried about staying in shape. I don't have the access to a, a gym. I'm not supposed to go to a gym. I don't, you know, so I think they were all going through it at the same yeah. time. And meanwhile, we're like, do this same, do this one workout at home because it's the only thing we're allowed to tell you to do. Try to do some yoga, go for a run, get outside. Like, and they're like, yeah, it was like just putting like little band-aids on things to try to keep people going every day. And I think it's just such a good analogy of all of us, right? That's what each of us did every day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one day, you know, you're out, you're feeling good and you're motivated and you, you know, the spring, it felt like spring. And so you go for a run and then the next day you're like, oh my God, I can't even get out of bed. Right. So I think for all of us, and you're just dealing with all of those I'm not, I don't want to use the word babies. They're not babies, but they feel like your children, sure. you know, and you, you want to care for them and you want them all to be okay. And so that's, that's hard too. Yeah. I think we, and we just went right. Like it was just like, go. And every day you did as much as you could. Yeah. And then you, the next day you'd get up and you'd start the next. And I remember talking to you and Savannah <laughs> Yeah. And we were all So we live near each other in real life. So we could like I would walk on the path and she would come out onto her lawn and we could We yell had just to each moved other. into that home and I'm like, Thank God for this path and we would like, like yell to each other from the thing. And it was like, Okay, so we're walking and like we were all dealing in different ways, doing our things that we thought were like was helping. And it was. We were all like, okay, so and and every conversation came to be like, Holy crap, how are things different? And what are you doing? to make sure you're okay. Cause that's yeah. always you checking in on me being like, what are you doing? <laughs> Getting outside? Well, I, I remember one time I'm like, I took the longest shower. Oh, I remember <laughs> you telling me about it. <laughs> just being like, all I did was I just showered and you were like, and I feel so much better. And you're like, you know, you can do that every day. And I was like, yeah, you know, this one was an epic shower. It was the shower to beat all showers. Water is magic sometimes. I know. Don't I underestimate know. It, it. It is part of my self-care. That's <laughs> Well, I love that. That's exactly where we're going. So we've been talking about your team and sort of how work shifted and all of the things, but yeah. now let's get a little bit more personal to you. Um, you know, and you and you're so professional, and I know you can put that that hat on and you can switch gears and you can do what you need to do because that's your first response, right? You are a first responder in in every sense of the word. But now if we turn that to yourself, um, how were you, I mean, thank you for sharing your epic shower, but how were you caring for yourself? Were you thinking about it? Because at one point, I'm going to say it out loud, you had hurt your back during this too. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so I had had probably the worst injury I ever had in my life during all of this. And I was, mm-hmm. so that was part of my self care was I was like, Oh, I have time to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. I have a really good, um, friend who just was like, Oh, I'll do massage for you. Oh, I know this chiropractor, everything's great. Like, and I ended up herniating a disc in my back. Oh. And I mean, I am, I'm a caregiver. I am not a person who loves to receive a lot of care. I will say this, this is the statement that, that has always kind of encapsulated me. I will go, 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 go till I can't go anymore. And then I will recover, rejuvenate, and then I will get back at it. Mm. Every multiple people in my life have told me this. And I, I share it with my athletes because I'll say I struggle with this, but (laughs) It's important to hear and for me to keep saying it to myself. It is so much easier for me to help other people with their stuff because it makes me feel good than it Mm -hmm. is to oftentimes take care of my stuff. So I have to check myself often with that. And when I see other people doing that, I make sure to impart that wisdom upon them. (laughs) And then I just walked. And I've always been a walker. My mom was a walker. Like when we were kids, there's three of us and then a couple of cousins that would always be around and she would be, make sure we got outside every day, but she walked. And I mean, there would be times where I like, we, she'd be like, get a bike. Cause this one's going to be a long one. Don't, you're not walking. Like, and be like okay, got it. I'm not carrying you. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've noticed like my grandmother walked like every, like I am a runner. I want to be a runner. My body is built for 5Ks and not the half marathons that I try to do sometimes to myself. So I've learned this year that self-care is also um, recognizing not not how strong you are or, you know, how, how high you got your heart rate or how much you were sweating. It might just be the time you're spending with yourself mm. and, and the exploration you're doing. And I know that sounds very out there and then non-committal. But I just started walking because we lived on the trail. It was something we could do. I would walk with a friend who lives alone, or I would walk alone myself and listen to a podcast that would either make me like laugh out loud or super scared because I listened to Crime Junkies podcasts. Oh, and I would then be like, oh my God, every person that's behind me is coming after me and is probably coming <laughs> um, But it was also so fun and, and therapeutic and like... I'd get home and my husband would be like, you texted me five times. Were you listening to crime junkies again? I'm like, yep. I wanted you to know my whereabouts at all times. <laughs> and we would laugh like we are now, right? Like, Oh my gosh. It got me away from caring about other people for an hour and 15 minutes. And then I'd be fine. Yeah. So I think that was a humbling experience. And I think, you know, that has been one of the things that's been a definite benefit out of all of this. It forced people to slow down, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, I have this time on my hands. And our first instinct, because you and I are similar like that, like, let me go run. And, yeah. you know, it's, but I've learned as I've grown older, like that, that high heart rate, the beating yourself up isn't always the best way. Right. And it's, we, I've been better at practicing it. I've always been good at preaching it as I know you have, but it, it has given us an opportunity to step back and yeah, for sure. I don't think it was out there at all. You saying that self-care is, you know, recognizing just spending time with yourself. I think that's what's so important about it, that, that self-care isn't 
it's just like working with your student athletes. There's no one size fits all. There's no way to, you know, self-care, train a hamstring, I should say, or rehab a hamstring, just like there's no one self-care that's right for everybody. And it might be me painting my nails. I mean, like, girl, you just changed the world, right? Like it might be like little things because working with guys all day, there's times where like, you can start to be like, it doesn't matter what I look like. It doesn't matter. Like, w- w- but then you like feel a little girly and you paint your nails and you're like, oh, oh, I am brushing it. I feel so good about myself. So, and Savannah has taught me that at times where she was like, there's moments like where she was running and training and doing all this stuff. And I was like, what is it going to get to take you to take care of yourself? And she's like, yeah. weights. I just need some weights. I'm like, okay. And she'd be like, okay, I need those. But now I just need to talk it out. Like, we would, you know, do some rehab stuff like that, if that's okay for me to say. Um, <laughs> and we were always safe and COVID safe. And of course. We and it, but it was as much about the talking it out as it might mm-hmm. be about the dry needling or about the, the, the rehab experience. And I often say, as an athletic trainer or someone who, me- who practices medicine, I am just here to entertain you while your body heals itself. And we're learning what, what ways to foster that. Right. And again, walks and talks or getting together, like we are just letting certain things out. I'm a huge, and this is a total tangent. I'm a huge fan of vibration therapy. So like the vibrating foam rollers, anything that like oscillates, um, the little massagers from like Walgreens, like anything. Because if you think about it as a baby, when you'd get like cranky and whatever, your parents would put you in the car and take you for a ride with your mm-hmm. as old as I am. Or if you're like younger, they'd put you in your little swing and it would vibrate and it would move. And that's they put you on the on the washer or dryer, the dryer and turn it on. Right. And so that's a very real like nervous system response is mm-hmm. it gets us out of that fight flight and gets us to like calm down. And so often when I'm treating my patients they're like always on and they have to know, like they have to be aggressive and they have to be like dialed in and so focused. And then they're always in this like state of like hypertonicity and they're just like, Oh, can't relax. Can't, like always guarding. So we throw on one of those vibrating foam rollers under their hamstring, or we might put it, you know, on their, on their traps or something. And it kind of like allows us to kind of deescalate. It promotes circulation in a passive way. And we can now like actually relax. And the same thing happens from a hug. Like you can increase your hamstring flexibility from a hug, from feeling safer, right? So I try to use those things on myself, for my husband, like giving ourselves the time to just stop and relax. And sometimes it has to be fostered by, you know, a vibrating foam roller, but you know what I mean? Like where you're just like, okay, I'm going to passively do something. Because yeah. we're always taught as active people to like actively do something to make ourselves feel better. And we might just meet, need to sit and allow another tool to do its job. Yeah. And like empty your brain and listen to a, a crime podcast, you know, <laughs> something that gets you out of your own head. I think that right. that's it too, right? Your body's being entertained or um, being told to relax by the vibration and then your mind can start to wander and yeah, I think stepping away, right? It's that it's that ability to put some distance between whatever whatever it is. I also and, think that podcast moment. evoked a different emotion, right? Even if it was like fear to some degree, yeah. I think something that will create or stir something up in you, right? So like people oftentimes like listening to music for that reason, right? Or dancing or laughing with friends. Like we need emotion to come out 
in order to take care of ourselves. Mm. I am that person who, like I say, I'll go, go, go till I can't. And then I'll recharge. Sometimes that means like, I need a good cry. Yeah. And I'll even say to my husband, I'll be like, don't waste any good ideas on me right now. Like, cause I can't receive anything. I just need to cry. I'm fine. There's nothing that needs to be fixed. I'm just going to cry and save any idea you have for this situation till tomorrow if you can. And it's frustrating for him because he's like, I just want to take care of you and help you and fix you. And I'm like, I just need to let this emotion out. Yeah. And sometimes it's also me just being a total brat and being like, I'm so frustrated. Like the other day, a couple of the guys on the team didn't respond to me quite the way that I wanted them to or at all. And I'm like, yo, it is 630 in the morning. We are all going through the same thing. I just asked you to do something to make you better. So just acknowledge my presence. And then I was fine. But a few of them after were like, is she mad at us? (laughs) And then a couple of the guys were like, no, no, she just needed to let that out. But you better do that next time, just so you know. And I was like, yeah, see, you get me. So I love that. I love that they know you as well as your husband at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, sometimes I spend more time with them than poor, poor Mike. But they, but Mike gets it too, because he was one of my college athletes. Like he, and then came back and coached. It wasn't that scandalous, but for you, <laughs> he was an athlete of mine. Um, he wanted nothing to do with his athletic trainer. I can promise you that his senior year. But he gets it right, and they get it, and and I think that's part of that sense of community and that self care is letting being safe to let your emotion out. Other people like allowing that you know moment to pass or being able to sit with you in your discomfort. Which is really hard. Really like sitting, sitting hard. and holding space is probably harder, right? Because like Mike is saying, I just want to fix it for you, right? Mm-hmm. And our gut reaction is I want to fix it. And that is something that I've been working on is not having to fix everyone, but mm-hmm. but being able to just listen. And it is hard to have somebody who you love cry and and to give them space and to not you know, we just want to make it all better. And, and yeah. I appreciate that you say that that is sometimes the best way for you to care for yourself. And it's right. hard for those around you though. I think that's true friendship. Like one, yeah. allowing other people to take care of you the way that you take care of them. Mm. And it's really hard when you're the caregiver in yeah. that relationship, no matter what it is. But then there's also, I'm a huge reader. So the invitation or a mountain dreamer. It's, it's a poem. It's a book based off of a poem. And in the poem, it's like, I want to know that you can sit with me in my discomfort and not try to change anything. Like I want to know that you can get up after a really long night of fighting and battling and do what needs to be done for the better, like for the kids. Like that's all it is sometimes is just, just being like, got you. Like I'm, I'm, you're having a rough day. Got you. I think too, like just going through all of this every day, many people had a different emotion, right? One day you're like, okay, it's not so bad. We're home and I'm in a safe space. So it's good. And then the next day you're emotional. And then the next day it might be grief. And the next day you're mad that you can't have your life. So I think for, at least I can speak to myself. I'm a very even keel person. I don't get thrown off, but I was having these days with, with these emotions and it's hard. Um, I can have a quick fuse at times, depending, because I can be a little bit of a control freak in that I want to keep people safe. So my the captain's safety part of me is like, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. <laughs> but but I, I'm with you where I'm like, I've, I'm trying to learn. I've, I feel like I might have mellowed out. Other people might totally disagree with that. Um, <laughs> and that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I described it as the Corona coaster 
and we are all on the same ride. We're just in a different car. So Mm -hmm. you might be going up and having that anticipation of like, oh my God, oh my God, what's about to happen? Or you might be at the top and you have this cool view and you're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then you're coming down and you're like, kind of happy, kind of excited. I'm, I'm crushing this. I'm doing so great. And then, you know, so like depending on what car you're in on that coaster, like you're experiencing a different emotion and there are a lot of ups and downs and, and twists and turns. And we could not anticipate one of them this year. Right. And I think like if we all just, that was one thing that I think I was a broken record with that story a lot or that analogy a lot just to kind of validate. Yeah everything you're feeling is 100% on target and you gotta, you gotta let it out in some manner and whatever could go wrong probably feels like it is. Um, but we're also like super lucky, um, that we have these resources, right? Like that we have, I think that's the other thing that I do for self-care is when I check myself often and try to hold myself accountable, but I also will say you're a good person, right? Like positive Mm -hmm. self-talk is such a big thing. I'm a, practicing Catholic. And so there's the Catholic guilt that sometimes can come along with, with things in life or our family or our pressures or being better at our job and guilt. I started in college where I was like, no, 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 I'm a good person. Mm. Like I do good things. I want good things to come back around to me. It doesn't always work that way. And so this isn't happening because I didn't do something right. Or I don't want to be guilted into being a good person. I don't want to be guilted into the things I do in my life. So I've tried, I've really checked that. I've really um, tried to check it. There's a couple of times where like, I'll be like, oh, if I don't go to that practice and I have somebody else cover it, will they care for my athletes the same way? And I have to, I have to work on that a little bit, right? Like I, they're going to be okay. Yeah. But that's so important, that positive self-talk and knowing that you come from a place of good intentions, right? Even if the if the desired outcome didn't, ha- didn't happen the way it did, yeah. or maybe you did something, you're like, oh, why did I? But you know that in your heart, the intention was coming from the right place. And right. I think that you that's such an important thing. And so many of us lack that, right? We beat each other up. We beat yeah. ourselves up. Um, so well, it's normally my la- my very last question, but I have a few other things, so I'm not done. But this is so what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I like to just ask people, you know, I, I know you. I mean, <laughs> you're an incredible human and I, you're, you know, I would go to you for anything oh, in a heartbeat. Um, but are you good at being your own friend, your own best friend? And and I think some of this, you know, to me hearing this, I'm going to say yes, but I don't know how you would respond to I that have my moments. So I was skiing this weekend up in Stowe with my husband. It was my birthday and we were like, okay, we want to go skiing. Like I love being outside and doing anything I can. I love skiing. Don't get to do it a lot. So I always try to catch up in the spring. And so postseason, and I also coming off the back injury, we had skied at some little mountains in Connecticut. We even skied at one in Pennsylvania. My husband's like, we're going south to ski. Okay, great. Anyway, then we go up to a mountain in Vermont. And I just didn't have a great day. I didn't feel great. I didn't. And I was so annoyed with myself. And in part, I was like, we spent this money. This is our day. This was supposed to be this thing. And so I think, and of course, my husband's like, your expectations were really high. And I was like, well, I don't think they were unreasonable. He's like, I think in your head, you probably had yourself like crushing the mountain and you probably should have been like, I'm going to get my feet wet and I'm going to just have a good day. Any, any, you know, run I get in is going to be a bonus because we wouldn't normally be skiing on April 3rd right. in 
Vermont. So like, I think there are times that I don't check my, the expectations I have for myself. Mm. And then I can have high expectations for others because I want to instill integrity in others. So I think that there are times like the people in my life will be like, Oh, Oh, she wants it done a certain way. Um, so I think I have to be better to myself there or I have to, that's where I'm like battling that I'm mellowing out in certain areas. And I am really good of like, if I don't have to say no, I'm not going to say no. If I, if, if somebody wants something and they, they want to do it, like, well, they should, they do what makes you happy. And then for me, I'll be like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it all the way. And I, I'm not expecting perfection, but I think I do have high expectations of myself. So sometimes I have to just be like, you wanted to go for a walk. You didn't need to set mileage per hour. And <laughs> right, <you know>. right. <laughs> so, and, and like I said, like that's coming, that's still that evolution of, I think the universe puts in front of you what you need. Right. Yeah. So like my, I hurt my back. I don't think the universe was like, ah, take that. But I think it was like, you need to slow down. Mm. You need to stop pushing your body. And it's not about the pace. It's about the experience. Right. And I'm also sometimes like when I'm hiking, my boss up in Maine once told me, he goes, do you ever see the path markers? And I'm like, nope, never. And he goes, (laughs) how do you get from point A to point B? He's like, stop and look around. And I I learned that lesson from him because I was like, oh. And then I'm like taking a picture every two seconds. (laughs) Everyone needs to see this beauty. So I'm, I'm working on the balance. Uh, I love that though. I mean, that's, that's just honest. And I, I think you're right. You know, things are put in our path and there is a lesson and it's not like, ha ha, you know, you needed to be hurt. It's, Hey, you know, this isn't the most serious thing that can happen to you, but if you don't take the time to care for yourself, like that could be next. So slow it down, sister, you know, and it's, yeah, we yeah. have to learn from those. We've got to listen to the the things that keep getting put in front of us. And my mother-in-law was really good. She goes, I, she struggles with change. She goes, so change keeps getting put in front of me. I'm like, change is in front of everyone. Like, <laughs> she's like, but that's the thing that I keep getting like the most annoyed about. Yeah. So I think understanding who we are, knowing what triggers us, knowing how we cope is also like, equally as important. So you can recognize when those things keep coming in front of you and you're like, Oh, here's one of those moments. Let me just pull up my boots and recognize that I'm going to be in for it for a day or two. And then, you know, come through it. And you just referenced, which you and I were pre-talking because, you know, we mm-hmm. always pre-talk on, on our podcast. Um, we were talking, so right away as you and I get on here, we started going and I was like, I'm not even recording any of this. We have <laughs> such good stuff going on because that's how our conversations are anyway. But yeah. you just referenced the idea of saying no. So yeah. if we could just backtrack to that a bit, I think you and I are similar where we enjoy a variety of things. We want to be with people. We want to help. We want we want to do all these things. And it's very hard hard to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes that comes at a cost. Yes. So I, I do think, over to you. Yeah, we, as we were chatting, like I, I referenced like burnout and I referenced mm-hmm. high achievers and I'm always working with really high achievers or elite um, level athletes or just people who I'm like, I, I really do. They say you're, you are like the 10 people that you spend the most time with. Ooh. And so one, I want to spend more time together, Tammy. <laughs> and two, like, I, I do think that's true. I think, I think you need to, we push ourselves. Like we're so used to the American society way of what's next. Okay. I checked that box. I hit that mark. What's next. 
And I think as an athlete, former athlete, I am competitive with myself Mm. and, or I also am a caregiver, right? And so I want to like contribute to my society, to my community. So I think when somebody's like, Hey, can you do this? Sure. I can do it. Like, why would I say no? If it might be an experience that enriches my life. Right. Which is all well and good unless I'm completely lying to myself and keeping myself busy to not address my own crap. And I think that there is a very, very fine line. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I going to be more stressed if I don't get the things that I need to get done at home? Like whether it's something administrative, it could be laundry, right? Or taking care of the house. Am I going to be more stressed about that? Well, then I need to learn to say no to a couple of things so I can have an hour to go home and do the laundry, Right. And I have an awesome, awesome support system in my husband. He knows I'm the person who wants to try to do everything and he will support me in a hundred different ways to doing that. Um, but there are also times and I, where I need to limit myself or people will say, can you, I'm worried about you. Like you're doing too much, but then they will also be the same people that will ask you to do more. (laughs) I don't know what the play is here. Right. And then there's positions of power, right? Like there's, there's times at work where that happens or your coach, you know, like those are where you're like, well, I can't say no. Right. But you know, it's interesting as you say that, and I feel the same way, like I can't say no to an opportunity because like, well, if I say no, what if it doesn't come again? But you know, there are people that say no and they're good humans and they have good jobs and they get opportunities. Right. So we know that logically, but it's still really hard. The funniest thing that you said, which I don't know if anyone picked up on it, you're like, I just need an hour to get laundry done. Like you're not even saying no so that you could have a weekend to relax and put your feet up. You're like, I just need to say no. So I have an hour, you know, like that is how busy and how much and right. You know, everything is kind of filled and, and laundry sometimes looks like a luxury. Yeah. When you're, I learned young in like relationships where the squeaky wheel got the grease, but I was like kind of the chill person and would be like, so if you don't say what you need, you're not going to get it. Right. And, and I'm still learning that. Like I learned, I very much learned that in, in, in my personal relationships, like, or my, my romance relationship with my husband, like being like, Hey, I need to shut it down and watch some garbage TV tonight. And he's like, you got it. And he knows that like, that is my, another way that I care for myself is, or I'll be like, I know you don't have this amount of time that you can take off right now because athletics, like you have this weird schedule where like the time you get off doesn't always line up with everybody else. I'm like, I'm going to go hike in Scotland. And he's like, go get it. Cause I'm not walking (laughs) to one place to walk back. That is a, so you thing. Send me a postcard. (laughs) Or he'll be like, I want to do it with you. And I'll be like, do not ruin my good time. And he's like, oh my God, why are you saying that? Like, but I'm I'm very much like protective about like this matters. And I feel really comfortable and safe with Mike to do that. I don't always feel like because my role isn't that with everybody else, right? Like it's not an absolute partnership with everybody else. Or it's like, this is my lane. This is my role. I should be saying yes. So I'm still learning that. Yeah. And I think it's like a self-respect thing too, uh, that, that there are sometimes where I'm like, no, you're not going to change the time of that practice. I am outrageously flexible, but this one's absurd. So I try to not say no as much as possible. So when I do say it, they get that I'm, I mean it. Yeah. Yeah. That you're serious and yeah. that it's, yeah, I, I like that. I appreciate that. But I do, I think 
just like anything, learning to say no is a practice and taking that step back. And it's hard to get to that place. I just recently had that. It's so funny. Somebody asked me, can you do this? And it is a nice opportunity. And I was like, oh, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? And I I said, can you just give me a couple of days, mold it over? And I woke up one morning and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then by the end of the day, I had convinced myself that I had to do it. And then I said, yes. And so now I'm like, oh my God, now I'm in. I know. And I totally didn't listen to myself. But maybe, like, maybe. And so here's the devil's advocate. I mean, maybe it is something you're supposed to be doing. Like maybe yeah. that's why there's such this internal conflict. Now, if it's stressing you out to get there, then you've learned that lesson and well, you're just going to keep learning that lesson. I'm going to consult my tarot card soon. Savannah and yeah. I are taking a tarot class and um, we're learning how to read the cards. So maybe it's in my cards. I'll have to see. I also think that self-care and like saying no, like we say yes sometimes just because it's like, it feels so good to help other people Mm. or to like have them be like, she's awesome. She did this thing and she helped me with this and got it going. And that is awesome and so great. And it it does, it makes you feel good. But self-care like really can't be about other people. It really like, like being of service to others is wonderful, but self care <laughs> cannot be about anybody else's happiness or, or lightening other people's loads. Like it has to be about yourself. So like, mm-hmm. there's one thing to be a member of a community and to help and volunteer and do all of these things. But if you're really going to take time for self-care, it can't be saying yes to somebody else. It has to be saying yes to yourself and what you want to do. And I think oftentimes like people like, you want to do this this weekend? And I'm like, sure. You want to do this this week? Sure. And then you're instead you're like, no, I wanted to go for like, I wanted to go for a long hike, but I said, yes. Cause I, and it's not FOMO. It's definitely not fear of missing out, but it's like, oh, well it's, it's actually time I could be social with something outside of work and maybe not talk about athletics or you know what I mean? Like I could expand right. and learn and do something else, but like, it might not be the self-care that I need. So take the time, take the walk, do what you want, do what you need. Yeah. Or invite somebody else to do something with you versus, you know, I also think like being like we can write things off unhealthy behaviors as self-care where it's like, oh, well, I just went and day drank with my friends at a brewery because we needed to be social and it's outside. So we can do it. It's COVID. It's and instead you might need to be like, let's go for the walk first. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. True. I think that's the, the ultimate conflict is understanding like what you need what's healthy and not lying to yourself or totally BSing yourself. I think it's ironic as you say that, that the word is self-care, but yet we have to be reminded as you are doing this now that it is about us, right? Oh yeah. And there is the irony in that, you know, where we play along, oh, but I'm outside, just like you're saying, oh, I'm with this person. Oh, it's social. So I need all those things. But mm-hmm. um, your point as it might not be what we need in that moment. And, you know, it's, it's like using perceived exertion, you know, in, in exercise yeah. and you're like, okay, it's not scientific. Okay. I get it, but it's what I'm feeling and it's relevant yes. because it's in this moment. It is 1000% so influencing right. your demeanor about this, your, your outlook. And that's what keeps us safe and healthy. That's Absolutely. the adaptive versus the technical, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. I love that. Oh my gosh, Sarah, you and I could talk for like a thousand hours about anything, but definitely about this. (laughs) I really, really appreciate you popping in and sharing your story and how you've been working with your athletes and doing your job and yeah, just, just, just sharing yourself. Thank you so much. This has been like, as we were saying before, like this has been in the works for a little while. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> another thing that like, I, as I said before, I was like, I th- I feel like if, if we had done this like six weeks ago, I might've had a different perspective. And so I think, mm-hmm. again, I'm supposed to be doing this right now with you for, for a hundred different reasons. And it was like, I need to, I need a little self-care Tammy time and just having mm-hmm. a conversation. <laughs> I don't know that anybody else is going to appreciate it quite like you and I will, but like, again, it's very therapeutic. Like this was self-care for me. Yeah. Having a conversation, having somebody ask me some questions about myself, my philosophies on life or the things I've stolen from people. And that that is what, what life is for me, is stealing the best of things that I can from other people. And and you are somebody that I often try to steal good things from. Oh, yeah. I love and you. Self-care is not easy. <laughs> like self-care is, it feels, it's sad that it feels selfish sometimes. Yes. Um, but I yeah. also think it's growth. And I like just shared a thing with a friend this week where it was like, which do you want? Do you want the pain of staying where you are or the pain of growth? Mm. And so again, looking inward, you're, sometimes we avoid self-care because we it means we're going to discover something about ourselves that we probably already know um, that Absolutely. we need to work on. So that was my my one thing I wanted to make sure that I like do the work and give yourself time. And so I love that you ended with that, which is so profound. And and in in yoga, you know, in yoga, we have a lot of different sayings that we have, but one is um the thing you hate the most. And we refer to that usually as a pose. Like you're like, oh, I hate doing a warrior too. But the 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 pose you hate the most is the one you need the most. Yeah. So just as you say, like yeah. you put up that adversity to self-care, but that means that you really need it. Oh yeah. Right. So oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, this too, for me, this is definitely my therapy, getting to have conversation with people that I love or the few people that I've met, you know, during this, which, you know, normally I selfishly want to talk with people that I <laughs> want to spend time with. So it, it is, it's been so fabulous. And so I've been dying to have you on and I'm glad it Thank finally you. worked with our schedules. I know you're off to um, treat a team and to I take am. care of Like I get to see other teams during this. Like yeah. that's been another positive experience, but it's also a time where I have to be like, you got me for this time. I've got, you know, to take care of some other stuff. So I'm learning. We've also been saying this for a long time, but you and I are definitely going to have an epic travel hike. Like that is in our future. Honestly, like when you say you were talking about what if this experience won't come again, like Bali in my head, like, like I immediately was like, I need to, like, I missed out on an opportunity. And part of that was like graduating and doing some things here which was all really good <laughs> but if i i mean i that's i want i want a definite epic trip with tammy and some awesome <laughs> women for sure yes we're gonna make that happen we will okay. all right thank you so much My deepest gratitude to all of you for tuning in to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. What a pleasure it's been to have conversation with my friend Sarah. Hopefully you all have a special place in her heart now as well. And we're getting ready for the last episode in season two. Yes, it goes by so fast. So please tune in next week. We're going to end with another family member. You get to meet cousin Brad next week. I'm super excited for you to spend time with the two of us. And yeah, we'll talk interestingly enough about meditation and uh, how it's helped him during this time and the connection it has to his past and how he's using it in the present moment. 
So lots of, of goodies to, for you to take away with this episode. And I'd also like to thank the team to Michael Bachman, the producer, David DeRoche, executive producer, Heather Popovics on social media, and thank you to Scott Holmes for the theme music. To learn more about our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at QUPodcasts. And feel free to send an email at QUPodcasts at QU.edu. So until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend. Bye.